Hello, welcome to the Mamas Know Best, We Got Something to Say podcast. This is a safe space where mamas can talk openly about their highs and lows of motherhood and to look deeper into who they are as women and their journey into motherhood. We may agree and disagree or cry and laugh, but one thing for sure is we will learn from one another and have a great time. So sit back and enjoy. Hello and welcome to the Mamas Know Best. We got something to say podcast. I have a very special guest, Ms. Star Davis. Star is dedicated to serving as a resource and beacon of hope for the youth. Uh, she earned an undergraduate degree in mass communications from Florida State University and a Juris Doctor degree from North Carolina Central University School of Law. Miss Starr is a native Kentuckian. Her tumultuous upbringing made her resilient, passionate, and caring. Her passion to ensure that no child suffer in silence led to the creation of the Star Institute, which we will get into. TSI, or the Star Institute, Inc., is committed to educate, engage, and empower youth in the community about child sexual abuse and exploitation. Star believes that if we make awareness and prevention a priority and not just a reactionary response to an outcry, then we will be in a better position to protect our children and youth from abuse. Amen. When not working, Star enjoys spending time with her husband, son, and daughter. Star, it's a pleasure to have you on. Thank you so much for coming on. Um, I think this is a very important topic, one that isn't addressed probably often enough. I mean, I think we hear more about it now than before, but I know with social media and online, which we'll get into, it's so much more. And then of course, us being parents. So go ahead. The floor is on you. Why don't you kind of introduce yourself a little bit more, Mm -hmm. um, your inspiration behind Star Institute and your motherhood journey and how it's all connected. Okay. Well, first I want to say thank you for having me on. I think that as, as moms, Um, We wear so many hats. And so, but of all the hats that we wear, this, in my opinion, is the most important hat that we wear. So thank you so much. My journey to motherhood, funny thing that you should ask that, honestly, because of what I experienced as a child, I never wanted to get married and I never wanted to have children because I didn't want to be responsible for someone and then let them down. And now I know as a parent, as I'm sure all mothers know, is that there is no handbook to parenting and we are doing the best that we can with the information that we have at the time. And a lot of it is generational. Um, And so you don't know what you don't know. But I will say that of everything that I have ever accomplished, my children, David and Parker, are by far my greatest accomplishment. And I really take that role. It took a lot for me to be able to step into that role, to even feel like I was worthy. And so literally, I thank God for them every day for entrusting us with his, with, with the care and molding them because because that's what we're doing. And so because of, I guess I could say that my experiences as a child heavily inform how we parent our children and, you know, how the Star Institute even came to So why don't we talk about that, if you don't mind, do you want to talk a little bit kind of about with some of your upbringing and how you parent and maybe not going specific details like this is all on you and how much you, you, it's a safe space, so how much you want to share. But I always find it fascinating that, yes, we can take things from our past and how it kind of shapes us. Mm-hmm. So if, if you talk a little bit about how and how do you parent from that? Yes, absolutely. So 
originally from Louisville, Kentucky, born and raised, and all of my immediate family still lives there. And I like to say that my life changed at seven because at seven is when uh, my mom became addicted to drugs and seven is also when the child molestation began for me. And it was two of my older male cousins and the molestation went on from about seven to 12. And I never told anyone in my family um, until I graduated from law school. So I was well into adulthood and the only person that knew when I was a child was my best friend and of course she was a child too and I asked her to keep my secret and she did you know and that is one nothing to put on another child one I shouldn't have been experiencing what I was experiencing and then two I shouldn't have laid that burden on another child and so you know for me you know, people talk about having the talk. No, it's just, it's so much more than that, right? It is really getting into having actual conversations with our children that are age appropriate, using the proper language. My mom, you know, like I said, so our son, David is seven. He just turned seven in December. And then Parker, our daughter, she's four in a couple of weeks in February, she'll turn and from birth I'm talking about from the time that they were born first of all I talked to we talk to our children like they're the adults like they're little mini people right but language and concepts that they understand just baby us right just smaller versions of us and so it was penis and vagina out the gate and my mom was like you can't say that. I was like, Ma, yes, I can. And I will because we have to take like these stigmas away. These are these are body parts and you need to know it's not a pocketbook. It's not a purse. Mm-hmm. It's not a thing. It's, it's not, not any of it's not a thing. It's this is your anatomy. This is your body. This is what it's made for. And it's not bad. It's not bad. And we have to embrace it and all the, you know, physiological things that our body goes through, explaining the menstrual cycle, explaining an erection, explaining all of these different things in their terms so that they, one, know that it's okay, right? Because these things start happening to them and they don't know what it is. So we have to explain it to them and then to know that it's okay and that it's natural and that it's normal and it's something that we go through. And so then that way they, they don't look to other sources to get this information and so what you know my husband and I took into our parenting journey is that hey we want our kids to be informed we want them to feel safe we want them to know that they can talk to us about anything right and so as they get older, I'm going to tell them about the experiences that I had. Devin will tell them about the experiences that he had because I think, you know, we try to act like, oh, we're shielding them from stuff. You don't know who, what the, what their friends' lives are all about. Now I say on the internet, listen, you can learn how to build a baby, bake a bomb, make a bomb, or build, bake a cake. So let them get the information from you and, and not from outside good. sources. And to get, I think that's such a good point because I do still have friends that are like, and again, I don't, I don't judge anybody's parenting people. Do Absolutely. Have to do what's best for their family for sure. Absolutely. But I do agree. And I feel like even more so it's so important. And, I, and I've said this a few times on my podcast, it is 20, well now it's 2021 and our children are exposed to more things. Like you said, they're exposed to more different kinds of people. So if we are not able to 
comfortably tell them the truth that's out there in such a way that can hopefully try and still keep them, you know, keep some of their innocence without having their little anxieties go. But at least they know that they can get it from you because you're absolutely right. You don't know what their friend has access to. You've lied to them, not trying to, but trying to show them like, no, 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 it's just this. And they're like, okay, mommy said this, who they trust you. Mm -hmm. Then they go to a friend and a friend's like, no, it's this. Well, then there's already, you're losing the trust from the child because they're like, wait a minute, mommy lied to me. Yes. Like, why did you say? It? And then you can try and tell them why, but you've already broken that. And they're like, wait, so my friends. So I think that just opens up a can of worms that I just, I agree. I feel more comfortable. Let it come from mommy and daddy. So they know that and, they always get the information. And you're absolutely correct. You know, my background is criminal defense attorney. And so when it comes to disclosures, there was a case in which a, a young girl, she was taught that her vagina was cookies. That's how they referred to it is cookies. And so she's telling her teacher, you know, my daddy ate my cookies and she's disclosing. But the teacher, she is unaware because she is literally thinking about cookies, you know, and so it does a disservice. And which is why I say, You have to talk to them using language, you know, that's age appropriate and concepts. But when, as it relates to body parts, that is age appropriate. Your every body part is age appropriate because that is what we have. And so just as an eye and a nose and a mouse is the same. Yeah. 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 You know, so to your point, it is just like, you know, as I, I really feel like that, like we gotta, you know, get get ahead of this, right? It can't always be, oh, let's try to scramble and figure out after someone has made an outcry. Let's not do that. Let's try to prevent it. Let's work harder to prevent this from ever. Now, how, how has it been? Cause I have my, I've, I've thankfully never been sexually abused or anything like that. Um, mm-hmm. I know friends who have been, um, mm-hmm. and I know it's more common than people speak on. So it could even mm-hmm. be more common of that. I don't know within my own family. Mm-hmm. Um, I've heard things from my, my mom said her cousins, possibly uncle. And I think it's always been there, but again, very taboo. No one speaks about it, mm-hmm. but I have my own anxiety of thinking about when my son gets older with coaches, cousins, mm-hmm. uncles, like I thought, you know, school teachers, because you, it was so close to home, literally, how do you have, or how have you worked through, or what do you feel about having your children go to after school? How do you trust, I guess, how do you come from a place then of saying, okay, my children have to go out in the world mm-hmm. and be exposed, maybe do a sleepover at a, like, what, what has that been like for you? Like letting them go out and be with adults and people that are strangers and within family. Right. So now if I'm being all the way honest, our kids don't, they don't sleep over anywhere. (laughs) Not even like with family. Like I'm, I'm just not there. We had been previously like until June of last year, we had been living in Atlanta for like 14 years. And like I said, I'm from Louisville. My husband is from Miami. Um, So it wasn't an issue because our family wasn't in Atlanta, but now we have since relocated to Miami and my husband is from Miami and his family is here, but they know me and they and my family knows me and they respect where I'm coming from which I think is another thing I think that if you set the boundaries I'll give you an example it is we don't eat beef we don't eat pork we don't drink like eat candy drink juice right and then you know how some people like well my mom would not never listen to me doing that oh my mom is gonna listen to me right and anybody in in my space is going to listen to me like when they were younger I was like don't post my kids on social media don't do it you know how I can fix that problem I won't send you a picture that's fine you know what I'm saying so you have to set the boundaries and then 
So we grew up, right? And it was go over there and give grandma a hug and a kiss. No, no, no. We don't do that. So what we do in our family, and even Devin and I, it's we ask them, may I give you a hug? May I give you a kiss? And they say yes. Sometimes they might say no. And that's okay because they don't want to do that. But what we're teaching them very early on is, yes, you have to speak. You have to be polite. But you don't have to fist bump. You don't have to high five. You don't have to hug, dap. No one is allowed to touch your body and get in your personal space if you don't want them to. And that starts with mommy and daddy. See, and I think that sometimes we forget that, that kids learn mostly from what they see us do, not so much from what they hear us say. So, you know, as already they're thinking, I have to listen to what an adult says. So if they say, let me do this with your body, let me do that, then they're just going to do it unless you tell them no, it's your body. And if someone ever makes you feel uncomfortable, if someone ever touches you in any way that you don't, you need to tell mommy. Are you already having those conversations with your- From the time that they could talk. Oh, wow. I was not, I was not playing from the time that they could talk, but just, just on their terms, right? Just on their terms. So when it's one, it's like, okay, because they can understand. You know, and, and people don't give kids credit. They have a lot of sense. They are very smart, you know? And so you start, I mean, this may- I was going to say, how do you differentiate? Oh, but my teacher touched my arm or my teacher go, how do you differentiate to really- Well, see, it's like one of those things. It's just like I said, it's being able to say- that to have a say. So when they're little and they're one, they're still just learning how to walk. You know, they have to pick them up. That's fine. But when people, because you know how people do, let me give you a hug. Let me give you a kiss. I was just going to say, you're, let me you're, sit you're, you on you're my lap. Woman, I'm a Hispanic woman. Like, like, give mommy a kiss, give dad, or give um grandma, give grandma. I mean, we are such an affectionate group of like, how do you yeah. want to go give grandma yeah. a kiss? So, and then, so my family, because this is what they used to say, because. Especially from the South. Hello, hello. So my husband is very like chill, mellow, right? Observant. I, I'm at 10, never met a stranger. So David is just like me. Parker is just like Devin. Mm-hmm. So when we were, of course, remember I said our family, the kids weren't growing up around. They would come visit. We would go visit, but not like you would have the regular interaction if you're in the same city. So they would be like, oh, Parker is spoiled and I'm like no she's not she doesn't know you and so she doesn't want to go to you and she doesn't have to when she feels comfortable if she wants to go to you she will but I'm not going to make her I'm not going to make my child cry just so that you can hold her because you want to hold her because it's going to make you comfortable and happy exactly exactly and I think that that's another one of those things that we have to, I say all the time, we have to unlearn a lot of things, right? Because this is kind of what we've been passed down generationally. And so it's like, kids have to be seen and not heard and they have to do. And like a lot of people say, you know, I don't explain things to kids. Now, what I do say is I don't negotiate. I want you to voice your feelings. I want you to explain to me why, you know, that's fine. But at the end of the day, you're going to do what I say. But I do want to, I do want to hear your thought process. I do want to, you know, I say, and then after you tell me that, I tell you, I validate that. I appreciate that. Okay. But what I need you to do is to do what I asked you to do. And this is why, because this is one of those things where it's like, oh, don't put your hand on the stove. Why not? Well, obviously that's because, you know, 
your hand is going to be burned and you don't want that, right? But the nuances is if you say, okay, be careful about who, you know, when you're having sex, it's not just because I don't want you to get pregnant because that's what we learned, right? Or an STD. It's because, hey, you start having soul ties with the person. Your your body, your brain is still developing. You don't know where all those emotions are going to lead you. You don't know how that's going to make you feel. And then you're like, oh my gosh, like, oh, it's giving them a reason more than just, well, my mama is just, she always on me. So she just always say no to everything. It makes them start to think. And I think that that's a big one that first becoming a parent and, and, you know, you read all the books and whatever. And one of the things that my husband and I did talk about was not saying no to everything and kind of, yes, having him voice his opinion. And I'm, I'm similar in like, there's really no negotiation. Sometimes I'll let him voice because my son is actually very much like my husband, who's like your husband, um, very <laughs> chill, very observant. And I'm like the, on a thousand and I'll reach out and say, Hey, whatever. Mm-hmm. My son is like an, I mean, he won't. And he, from a baby, he'll just look at you like, no, he needs to feel comfortable before he takes it to the next level. Mm-hmm. So I say that where I think if children hear no all the time, then yes, then they're going to be like, oh, you know, what, this shit is just always no. So why should I whatever if I'm going to hear no? It's like they have, uh, like, like you said, from the beginning, they have to be treated like the little adults that they are to give them somewhat of a freedom or somewhat to know, because mm-hmm. as they get older, I think it all goes back to then when they are un. God forbid, or unfortunately faced with something, then they either know that they can come to you or what, or the power that they have in saying, no, I can, I can voice my opinion and say, I'm not going to go that way. I'm not going to do this, especially when peer pressure comes in all of those things. Mm -hmm. And they think the first five years of a child's life is the most important. That's it. And that's what they learn. the, The blueprint of a lot of, lot of things. So now you're, so now you have your little ones, you, your husband and I have said, okay, this is what we're going to do. And from a lot of your point, I understand is like, look, we're going to try and be in control of as much as we can be in control of as far mm-hmm. as where our children are going, what they're doing, having the open conversations with our children, which I think is so, I, I gosh, you're, you're right. You can't stress it enough. Having those open conversations before we, I know we're going to go into probably about posting children on social media and all of that, mm-hmm. because I know it's tied to pedophiles going online and talking, mm-hmm. but before we go into that, tell me fast forward, how you started the Star Institute. And what, obviously the inspiration behind it and and what the Star Institute is all about. And we can kind of go into the meat and potatoes of all of this. Okay. So basically the Star Institute is me being to youth, boys and girls, because honestly, at first it was just girls, but this is an issue that affects our boys and our girls. And so this is just me being to youth what my grandma was to me. And so, like I said, I kind of bounced around from house to house of different family members before I started living with my grandmother the summer before the sixth grade. And then I lived with grandma until I graduated from high school. And now by the grace of God, my mom will have been clean. Now Valentine's day is her, actually her anniversary. So she will have been clean for, yeah, every Valentine's. So it would be 13 years that she's been clean now. Um, But my grandma is my person. She was always my person. I mean, I literally used to pray like every day, like, God, please don't take grandma away from me because you felt safe. Yes. And so in my mind, it was as a child, you know, all you need is that one person who loves you, who supports you, who holds you accountable. And if you got that, the world could come crashing down because that's what my world was doing. 
but I had her and so I was okay and girl when I tell you I found like a Harvard study that literally said that like literally said that that the difference between you know children who experience childhood trauma the difference between that resilience is having that at least one supportive adult right you think if you and, didn't have your grandma you who knows what exactly that would have led you down of destruction PTSD which I'm sure you still had but at least again you had someone who made you feel like okay at least I have this in the world Right. And think about this. And then I'm not living on the street. Right. Mm -hmm. I'm not living on the street. I have a home to come to every night. I have food. People forget that a lot of times when kids are on the street, they start having survival sex because you need some food. You need somewhere to, you know, to lay your head. You need clothes and you're a child. So you can't work anywhere. You know what I'm saying? And so people help you. I'm doing air quotes. People help you. And then they expect something in return. You see what I'm saying? Um, and so I'm very thankful. So the Star Institute comes from that, building that. And then the knowledge, right? Not only are we this safe space, not only are we somewhere, we're here for, for life. As long as you want to be connected to us, we're going to be connected to you because that's important. It's important for a kid to have stability. It's important for them to know. I always tell all the youth that I interact with, hey, identify at least two trusted adults in your life. And I don't say parents. I say to adults because the reality is they might not be your parents. Their parents might not even be living. They may be estranged from their parents. It's a whole myriad of things. But who are two trusted adults that you can depend on? And so that's what we want to do. We want to educate, engage, and empower, not just the youth, but the community as well, because the parents have, we all have to be working in tandem, right? The school systems, there are a lot of kids who are being trafficked who attend school every day live at home with their parents you know and so yes and so the thing is we have to have and and even though I was not commercially sexually exploited right people think of oh child sexual abuse and exploitation as two totally different problems but really they're not really sexual exploitation is just a form of child sexual abuse you know and so the thing is what often happens is because a person has been physically or sexually abused as a child then they're more at risk to being trafficked so it all works in tandem. And so what we are here to do is really get out that information, be that safe space, and then, and, and then meet the kids where they are. All too often, it's like, you know, like I said, I worked in superior court and I also worked in juvenile court defending kids who were charged with criminal offenses. Big that and, maybe high risk or whatever, what trafficked or whatever it was, and they're being charged as yeah. that maybe, how is that even possible though? Oh, well, some offenses oh, that a, a, a juvenile can be charged as, it just depends on the different laws of the state, but there are some, there are some offenses that they can upgrade and bind them over to superior court. But it's just the fact of the matter that sometimes people forget that they're kids, right? And the parts of their brain have not even fully developed so that they can actually appreciate consequences and, and understand everything. And then they're going through puberty and their bodies are all changing. And so they need someone to guide them, right? And so we have to step up and be that. Um, and unfortunately, some kids don't have that at home. And so we try to be that to them. 
So how do the kids get in contact with you? Are you openly searching for them? Do they come? Are you, do you work with organizations? How does that work? Yes. So pre-COVID. So what happened was I had just really been sharing my story in, in Atlanta. I was a part of the statewide, the Georgia Statewide Human Trafficking Task Force, some other, you know, organizations like partnership, because that's the thing about this anti-trafficking movement. No one organization can do it all. We have to work together, right? And so we had built up a, a really nice network in Georgia. And so I launched it uh, January of 2020. That's when we came out with our Sex Trafficking Awareness and Safety 101 workshop. It's a 50-minute workshop. It's a version for youth. There's a version for, and when I say youth, the STAR Institute means ages 12 to 17. Okay. And so there's a version for professionals. There's a, pro- a version for adults because it's relevant to everyone, right? And so basically it teaches you how to recognize, respond to, and disclose sexual exploitation. But I have used my own lived experience, my connection with actual survivors of sex trafficking, women and or, or adults, I should say adults and minors, as well as the criminal justice system to form this so people can get an actual idea of how this works in real life, right? And then we have a partnership with the Georgia Center Advocacy Center, uh, Child Advocacy Center. And so we actually work with girls who have actually been identified as trafficking survivors ages 14 to 17, and they actually live in homes in Metro Atlanta. And so then I've also created a goal setting workshop a internet safety workshop and a self-esteem workshop. And again, these are all 50 minute for boys, for girls, but it really gets to the heart of the issue because when you think about it, a trafficker is looking for a child to exploit any vulnerabilities that they have. So if you're lacking self-esteem, if you're not feeling seen, loved, heard at home, you see what I'm saying? If you don't have any goals, if you only think that, your existence can only be what your current circumstance is. You see what I'm saying? And then if you're on the online perusing like how these kids can do nowadays, then these are things that put you in a right position to encounter one of these predators. Now that you are in Miami, are you looking to create now, you know, I see everything, a lot of things in Georgia, which I know Georgia is a hot spot and I believe Mm -hmm. Miami too, right? The ports, it's goodness. Let me tell you, let me tell folks, the world is a hot spot, okay? It's happening in all 50 states. You know, I don't really get into, you know, oh, this is now, yes, there are some places, because like you say, there's a, a, a huge immigrant population down here in Miami, well, Florida in general, but definitely in Miami, you know, it's such a melting pot. And so, yes, so I am just picking it up because what happened was I was able to go to two schools, went to and then COVID happened. And so what is to go into schools with our workshops and offer them to the schools. But now COVID is here. So are you trying to pivot and say, okay, if we can't come to the school, oh, but I guess how would you do even virtual a for the teacher you do virtual? Virtual, yeah. Yeah. And so I did this summer a workshop with a conference with some kids. And then I also presented the actual workshop at the National Association of Public Defense. So this was attorneys, this was social workers, this was investigators, all in the public defense realm for women and children advocacy. So 
it's important. Anyone who is working with kids, youth serving organizations, mm-hmm. I'm trying to get in front of them. That's awesome. I did some research, some human trafficking myths, and I think I, I want you to kind of speak on it. So the three myths I found here, or actually there's more, but that human trafficking is always or usually a violent crime. So I guess mm-hmm. that's not always true. Mm-hmm. Um, all human trafficking involves sex, which is interesting. Maybe you can speak on that. Like what are the other, op, you know, things other than sex? Another mm-hmm. myth is that traffic, traffickers target victims they don't know. Only women and girls can be victims and survivors of sex trafficking and human trafficking only happens in illegal or underground industries. So why don't you speak on that? There's like a bunch of myths here. I'll address the women and girls first, right? Because initially, and and first of all, you have to go back and think, oh, human trafficking awareness and prevention has only been around in the United States for about 20 years now, right? So we're new and you know that the law is slow to catch up with it. Only in some states, like up until a couple of years ago, even in Georgia, children who were arrested, they were arrested and they were charged with prostitution. And they were children, right? So the laws are slow to come up. But what, listen, traffickers look to victims as commodities. They do not look at them as human beings. And so it is, who can I sell to the highest bidder? That's women, that's men, that's boys, that's girls, that's individuals who identify as transgender, LGBTQ, it doesn't matter. And so because there's such, I guess in our, in our, in our society, we think, we typically think of women and children and girls as being victims and as men as being victimizers. And then there's this whole, you know, how, how people will do, oh, well, if a girl has sex young, then the world is up in arms. But if a boy has sex young, then, oh, he's, oh, hooray, like you did that great thing. And so there's this stigma around it, especially when young boys are having sex with men, you know? Um, and so boys, are trafficked just like girls are trafficked, right? And like I said, a lot of times when their sexual orientation does not match up with what, you know, their families make and then they're put out, they resort to these different things. But no, every men, women, boys, and girls are all trafficked. It's not just a a woman thing. What has happened is that when the calls first came out, it was more focused on women and girls. But boys and men are victims too. And oftentimes they suffer in silence because there is such this taboo and stereotypes about what a man is and how a man, that wouldn't happen to a man, you know? And so those are issues. And unfortunately, and I'm talking about worldwide in the United States, there aren't many facilities that are specific just to boys. Yeah. Because a lot of things, it's still the women. I, and, and I think going to your point, because men kind of suffer in silence, it can maybe be just as equal or more than girls, but we don't know because a lot of mm-hmm. people are silent about it. And that scares me. And raising a son, or raising a child, I mean, obviously the only example I have is because I do have a son that does scare mm-hmm. me because I do feel like with men, we're more like, yeah, that's your coach or whatever that they, it's a little bit more. And I'm like, gosh, we're a girl. We do, I, I think the overall um consensus oh so the girl you protect her where the boys like okay go play go to your friend's house and I'm like no like we have to be just as cautious with our boys because they're just as vulnerable with it so absolutely about that myth that all human trafficking involves sex 
Okay, so no, so when you think human trafficking, okay, so human trafficking typically encompasses labor trafficking and then sex trafficking. So it's the commercial sexual exploitation. So you have that and then you have labor trafficking. So there's a lot of, you know, a, a lot of times that people are coming, you know, immigrants, refugees, they're coming, people are saying, oh, you want a better life in America, you're coming over here. Sometimes people will, you know, sell their their children thinking for labor like oh she's gonna go work she's gonna go get an education and then they're like indentured servants okay so there is labor trafficking and then there is also yeah and then you have subsets and then they start like harvesting organs and doing all types of crazy things but those are the two major it's labor and sex trafficking now, and a lot of people what are we talking dollar wise? What is this industry? Oh, this is a billion. This is like a billion dollar industry, like $150 billion. Like the, these people are making hand over foot. There was a trafficker in Atlanta and this is sex trafficking because my focus is sex trafficking. And so, um, but he was an ex trafficker and he said that he made upwards of $32,000 in cash a week. So you think about that. So you got to think about this. Like, that's why trafficking is, you know, vastly approaching, like being, it's like number two, because you think I can only sell you this one firearm once. I can only sell you this quantity of drugs once, but I can sell you this man, this woman, this boy, this girl several times, right? Oftentimes they have to meet a quota. What's the quota? It's you have to make, come home with a certain amount of money. So that means you will have had to have slept with a X amount of people to be able then to meet that quota to take that money back. That is crazy. I found another slide here that says sex trafficking. And the, I guess the three main parts are escort services, illicit, well, illicit massage, health and beauty and porn, pornography. And pornography, right. So, and so it can be any of all of those things, right? Because those are all commercial sex acts. So that could be prostitution, that could be pornography, that could be any type of illicit sexual act for a favor. And people have to think about it just as simple, like it's not this whole big old thing. It's if you exchange anything of value for sex. So that could be clothes, that could be money, that could be drugs, that, you know, that could be anything for value for that commercial sex act, right? But the thing to note when it relates to an adult, there has to be force fraud or coercion in there mm-hmm. for sex for sex trafficking, but not for adult for a minors. That's that you don't have to have force fraud or coercion. Just the simple fact of you doing a commercial sex act with a, with a child deems them a victim, and that is commercial sexual exploitation. So how do we keep our kids safe? What do Ooh, we, yeah, a lot you. of prey. You got to pray. Let me, let me tell you, other than, yes, the fear of um, and being careful with family and, and yeah. again, schools. Gosh, I just read an article. It's not a super, not a superintendent, but a school resource officer or something was arrested on eliciting a minor for sex online. Yeah. Um, yeah. So we know it's it's there. It's your doctor. It's there. It's, it's there. Oh yeah. A, a Parkland doctor. I don't know if you saw that a doctor in Parkland just got arrested. A doctor, I think actually he may be a pediatrician. Mm-hmm. I'm, not, I'm sure. not surprised. Or for online pornography and things like that. So that's that. 
But then I also get a fear of, because I know sex trafficking and stealing, I even feel for us, our age, because I mm-hmm. know, you know, mm-hmm. they, they could look for us, you know, our oh, age. Oh, yeah. I know a victim and the, the very first time that she was trafficked, I believe she was, or, or a survivor, not a victim. She was 21. And then I think the next time she was 30. So again, this is this is what I'm trying to tell people. They are looking for vulnerable people, right? No age, they color, are looking just whatever. If you're vulnerable, it doesn't matter. They are looking for vulnerable people. Now, children, it's so much easier because just by the very virtue of you being a child, you are already more at risk. But you have to think about it. So just like you have, you know, in your family three generations doctors, three generations educators. You have three generations traffickers. You have three generations of, you know, I've had a young lady that I worked with and and her mom was like, look, she's fine. I did it. I'm okay. She'll be okay. So you have to think about that, right? It is just, it's this mindset. And if you only know that, right? Some, some kids don't even know that they are being sexually abused because it's always happened. So that's normal until some other kid tells them that it's not normal or until someone else tells them that's not what happens, you know? And so I think that to keep them safe, okay, I got to dispel this whole taken notion, right? You know, that movie that gets on my nerves. That, well, that's what I was going to say because in my neighborhood, when I walk my son outside, I think of, I'm like, but what if that is like the next wave? Let's say they see like, okay, people getting sick with vulnerability. Okay, so now we're just going to snatch kids off the street. Like that's my anxiety. Well, because- that, that is like a very, very small percentage of how this happens. Because you got to think, these people, unfortunately, and men and women are traffickers. They are business people. What, does, what good does that do for their business to be grabbing people off the streets, right? That's going to bring heat to them, right? They want the people who people consider throwaway kids, who they consider runaway kids. They want people... Right, who they're not. Um, there was actually a study that was done. They were asking traffickers, and they said that although they could make more money with white with white women, they knew that they would get less time for black women and girls. Right. Okay. So you got to think about that. That's you got to think about I these different this, like, things. That's disgusting. Yeah, but this is this is real life, and and they're business people because I like again they're not looking at you like a human. They could care less. You how much money can you make them right? And so I want to dispel that whole taking notion, knowing that kidnapping is a small percentage of how this happens. It's not just an international crime. It is happening in every state, all fifty states, right? All fifty states have criminalized trafficking. So it's happening, and most times it's happening by people that you know love and trust right it's people that you already have a relationship with the kids that are in school it's you see the girl kids recruit other kids right so I'm keeping my hair done I'm keeping my nails done I'm keeping the flyest kicks you want this let me introduce you to my boyfriend right because that's how it is you got to think about it when they're recruiting these kids they're not being violent they are being the boyfriend or they and sometimes it's intimate partner 
you are a, you this is your boyfriend and then you love me so then you start doing this right it's intimate it's almost kind of like a domestic balance relationship right and so they woo them with the kids with their own line that's why you have to be clear about what are you posting online my family hates me no one understands me so what do they do start being at all that understanding everything that you need there are traffickers who have picked kids up from their front door of their home they have walked out the door because why? They have built this relationship. So it's any vulnerability. So talk to your kids. That's why I say it's so important to have these meaningful conversations with them. Ask them about their day, right? Know who their friends are. Know their likes. Know their dislikes. Inquire about their dreams, their goals, their hopes. They need to feel validated. Kids need to be heard and seen and especially when they hit that teenage year right those teenage ages okay I'm so thankful I haven't hit that yet but I have some younger siblings and so I look at them sometimes like are you crazy but you have to right you have to do that and then you have to tell them the truth so we already kind of touched on that right you have to talk to them and tell them the truth because they're looking to us to model that behavior, right? They're looking to us to model that behavior. And then when you don't tell the truth, then that, you know, puts a little rift in y'all's relationship. And then you got to gain that trust back. You want them to trust you. So you, they need to be able to trust you and they vice versa, that type of thing. And then we already discussed too, talking to them about their bodies, using the proper terms and don't be weird about it, right? Because it, it makes them awkward. I'm going to tell you this because this is mamas and we all can understand this. So David, I mean, you have a son, so you know that when kids are boys, they get erect. Like the wind could blow right and they get erect, right? And so he already knew penis. So he's like one. And, and what would happen when he would get erect is he would be like, mommy, I got a big penis. I got the big penis. Like that's what he would say at that time, right? No, we didn't oh, want like, to- like it's big, being like that. He's yeah. like, you know, like, oh, it's here, it happened. Yeah. It's, it's big, right? And then, you know, he start, cause kids start to explore their bodies, right? But he was still kind of, maybe he was like, geez, he just turned six. So maybe he was like four and he, and so we would call it sweating, right? Because again, you're young, but now when we were about to move last year, he's six. And I said, okay, so you know how we called it sweating? What you're doing is actually exploring your body, right? And so, and that makes you feel good. And that's okay. I said, but you're older now. I said, and so you can explore your body. That's normal, but you have to do it in the privacy, you know, by yourself. So when you're in the shower, taking a shower, you can explore your body. I said, you know, Parker might come in on the room. Mommy and daddy doesn't need to see you do that. So you need to lock the door if you're doing it in your room. And then you come on out. And then if you if you have something come out, you need to go wash up, right? Because what was coming out was pee. Mm -hmm. And so it's like, so then you need to go wash up. And I said, and I don't want you to feel, I don't want you to feel bad about it. I said, mommy does it, daddy does it. It's, it's a normal part of life, right? I said, but now that you're older, I said, now what you should know is that one, no one else needs to ever see you when you explore, right? No one else needs to explore your body and you don't need to explore anyone else's body. But when you're getting to know yourself, that's fine. And that's all it has to be. You don't have to tell him ejaculation and this and all of that. I think people get so wrapped up in their own brain. But right now, he needs to understand what's happening to his body. And he needs to understand that 
it's okay and that and and not hide it from me I was gonna say and I think a big word of all of this that I I think is is to take is the shame is not (laughs) making them feel shameful in any of that absolutely I think uh, um, my son is such a loving, he's very shy, but when he, when he, when he warms up to you, he's so loving and, and mm-hmm. very just like affectionate. So right. he's one best friend at school and um, he told me he kissed him on the cheek. So of course my initial thing is like, oh my gosh, like, you know, I got to teach him boundaries, but I didn't react. And I was like, mm-hmm. oh, that was nice. So, you know, of course I'm talking to my husband, I was like, what? Like we're ready to make faces. And I'm like, don't make a face. He's mm-hmm. years old. He kissed him on the cheek. So I was like, oh, why did you want to kiss him on the cheek? He was like, because he was sad. So I pat his head and I kissed him on the cheek. And I said, okay, that was nice. I said, but you know, we have to respect boundaries. I said, did you ask him to give him a kiss on the cheek first? So we kind of went that way as opposed to like, why would you give him a kiss? Like, don't give him a kiss on the cheek. You don't do that. You know, whatever. Mm-hmm. It was like no face, completely like poker face. And like, okay, that was nice. I said, mm-hmm. but boundaries and I've been explaining that to him again because I come from a very affectionate like whatever Mm -hmm. family and I'm so like animated it's like okay but have boundaries 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 respect people's personal spaces and he kind of looked at me like okay you know but it was quick and I so so to go to you is like the shame not making Mm -hmm. them feel shameful and that is it. And you handled that beautifully. And see how, how quick that is? Yeah. It's so quick. And I think that we get called up with my one of my really good friends. She says analysis paralysis. That's what happens. And it's like, how do I talk about this? How do I do this? And it's like, listen, it's normal, right? It's not normal for us because, well, I can't speak for you, but nobody was talking to me about this stuff when I was growing up. You know what I'm saying? And it was just like a free for all. You figure it out. You know, actually to go to your thing, we, I, I also come from, unfortunately, of family members with drug addiction. My father actually, goodness, I think next Wednesday he celebrates his maybe 10 years, no, 12 or 13 years of alcohol sobriety. He's a alcoholic. So I come, I, 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 I'm very much unfortunately aware of that as well. You know, I've had family members die of AIDS you know Mm -hmm. so growing up my fear with sex wasn't that it was like okay you can die from this correct close to that early on Mm -hmm. yeah um and you can get pregnant so again we didn't have these kind of conversations like on a deep level it was just like oh I can die from this and and not so much even the pregnancy I think the pregnancy thing was more because I was Hispanic and I didn't want to stereotype stereotype of having that just was it just always stayed with me because it was what that unfortunately was you know so that was minor though my mom my parents would tell me we don't care you can come home pregnant and we'll deal with Mm -hmm. it like you can die from this so that was my fear but you're right of having these conversations and not making them feel shameful is yeah I think and in anything in life not just about sex and anything just making them feel comfortable correct and then so yeah and so that and then get getting educated right? Getting educated, taking the training, learning the indicators. That's what I said. We offer those workshops. I don't care who you go to, but have these conversations. Know, you know, you have to get educated. Be be clear on the signs. Youth need to know what traffickers are doing. And if they ever find themselves in uncomfortable situation to be able to exit that, right? And then the, I think like one of the biggest things that we have to do right now is monitor, monitor, monitor that social media, right? I have this stat for you that um, according to the Paralysis Project, 70% of 13 to 17 year olds use social media multiple multiple times a day. And it's increasingly being used as a way to contact, recruit and sell children for sex, right? And so Thorn, I don't know if you've ever heard of them, but that's an organization by Ashton Kutcher. Um, oh, yeah, and 
So 55% of sex trafficking survivors who entered the life and the life is what it's called when you are in the, you know, what, what is prostitution being, you know, trafficked and sold. Um, And that's what a person who is in the life, they have their own terminology. And so they said that from 2015 or later, they reported me and their trafficker online for the first time from some kind of app. That thing has tripled because now everybody's Uh, at home. No one's at Everybody's there. And then this is what you have to realize. And this is what I tell the kids. It's like, hey, what are you putting on social media, right? Because then you go into your your real name, where you live, all these identifying things. It gives them information to be like, oh, you don't, you might not know me. I'm Johnny. I'm I go to your school. I'm in da 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 da. You see, it gives them a whole way like, to oh, make really up a whole. Know me. No, they yeah. just have the information from online. Yeah, yeah. Or they use that. They get into these conversations. They're on these chats. Remember. People can screenshot, people can screen record, and then you've sent someone a nude and now they're using that nude. Oh, you want me to show your family? You want me to show your friends? You want me to show your school? Well, you need to do such and such. It's that simple. And then they have to be clear too. Kids have to be clear too because you send in, depending on what state you're in, you send in a nude, you could be breaking the law. That could be, you know, child pornography. So it just depends, like really letting them know. And then I take it a step further. I'm saying, hey, listen, you know, when you get ready to go to that job interview, you're going to look the part, you're going to dress the part, you're going to talk the part, you're going to have it all together. I said, do you know that there are people who their precise job is to go deep dive on the net and see who you really are. I said, so when I know kids who have lost scholarships, they have not been admitted into school. They have lost job opportunities because you're on the internet looking a crazy mess. And I tell people, yeah, it looks like you can delete it and nothing ever gets deleted. And those things follow you. And so it's unfortunate because like I said, and I, I tell them and I always tell them the truth about me, like, hey, I didn't always make the best decisions. I said, but you know what? When we were growing up, we didn't have these things to capture every single thing that we're doing. And so unfortunately, y'all do. And so you need to be mindful of that. There was this, he was an 11 year old, South Carolina, met someone, a, a grown man on Snapchat, a police officer just happened to be driving and looked over and was like, wait, it's 1230 at night. And he's in that car alone. And he was going to me, he had already driven like 200 miles. Um, And what happened was the GPS cut cut out, but he was going to meet a man that he met on Snapchat. A young boy, 11 year old. Yes, took his brother's car and his daddy GPS. So let me tell you how what what is the psychological and have you done any research on that because like they you know they have dateline specials and stuff where they show kids coming from two-parent households and things seemingly normal and again everything can seem normal but again if you don't have the right relationship with your child you can think you come from a perfectly happy normal family but if your child feels again shamed or not seen or not heard or not understood that I, i from what i'm hearing from you leaves a lot of vulnerability no matter how safe you think your kids are you're leaving that open yeah, you hear like 13 year old go- girls or stuff and they're like, they meet these strangers and the parents are like, they'll never go. They know they'll never go. And then a Dateline episode, they'll pose the police officer as talking to the girl. And sure enough, the girl sneaks out of her house and the parents are like, what did you do? What's going on? 
what mm -hmm. is that like is it really truly as simple as like you said like maybe they sent something maybe they're embarrassed or they do want to meet a new friend and they don't realize it's an adult and they're like you know what yeah i want to go out and have fun like i what is that like psychological aspect with it like I, that's well i think it to your point right so you have a couple of different things you have when, when you have any of these things i'm about to list this already puts you mm -hmm. at a greater risk right so if you have substance abuse, use, misuse, mental health concerns, involvement with the child welfare system, being a runaway homeless, lack of support, family dysfunction. So you could have this beautiful two parent household, but it's all hell breaking loose in there, right? A history of childhood sexual abuse or physical abuse, poverty, learning disabilities, right? Or promotion of sexual exploitation by families and peers. It could just be, you know, something as simple as, you know, hey girl, you need to get with it. You know, it's not that bad. Oh, she's fine. She comes to school every day. She stays, you know what I'm saying? So traffickers, they are seeking out any child who seems vulnerable, it could be like depressed, seems emotionally isolated from their friends, from their family, have low self-esteem, or they have a lot of unsupervised time, right? Yeah. Yes. And so what all they do is they identify and leverage that victim's vulnerability in order to create a dependency. As many ways, shape, and when, yeah. And when you get that dependency, that that's all that they need. So I tell people, yes, it doesn't matter. Now, people, like I said, who, you know, are marginalized, they are more at risk because they just tick off a lot more of these. But there's kids who don't come from, you know, what we Street would or the, the broken Yeah, things. yeah. And so it just, it just really matters. And that's why I said, you have to always keep that open dialogue that's why sometimes the kids are talking I'm like what are y'all talking about okay yeah yeah but it's important to them and I don't care if it's not important to you act like it's important to you because while they're telling you the stuff that's not important that when stuff is real important they're going to want to know and they're going to say so because of all them other times I tried to come to you I, yeah. I think about that all the time like no all the times I tried to come to you and you no no I don't want to hear it right now no 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 the time when it really matters you're not going to come yeah. to you yeah and that and that's it and then another thing that we do is we don't keep secrets like we don't say secrets like even if like we're trying to surprise the other like you know, with a little birthday or little something like that. We're like, this is a surprise for mommy and daddy. And I tell them, I'm like, we don't keep secrets in this family. Like you tell mommy and daddy everything, even if, even if, you know, it's not, you didn't really make a good decision. Cause that's where we're big on making good decisions. So mm -hmm. even if it's something that you did and it wasn't a great decision, you can still tell mommy and daddy, right? I always want you to know, I said, no matter what it is, we'll work through it, but you need to tell mommy, right? And you know, it's funny because Devin will tell them like, don't, don't tell your mom. And they'll be like, mommy, uh, daddy, da, da, da. that's right. My babies are always going to tell me, you know? And so I think that they just need to know, like you, you can have a mother and father in the home and not be present. And that's a lot of times what happens, right? It's not always the girls that I work with it, that they had such a, a terrible time. I mean, sometimes that is the situation, but sometimes it's just like, are you here? Do you see me? Do you? And so for me, that's what I felt, although I never 
physically harmed myself growing up I thought about it quite often and I thought you know well would they even care if I wasn't here you know what I'm saying and so for me that just made me put myself into school into church like bam I'm getting out of here wait till I graduate y'all ain't never gonna see me again that's why I went to Florida State exception to a lot of what yeah Yeah. So it just depends on whatever they see and what they go to. So like I said, I saw my mom being physically abused. I saw my mom snorting a line of coke. In some kids' minds, that would be like, oh, well, that's, you know, how they show me that they love me or that's how, you know, this is what we do. But for me, it was like, I'm running far away from that. We can't even play fight. So it goes to, I go back to that, having that, at least that one relationship. And that was my grandma that was still pouring into me, still pouring into me, telling me, you know, things will get better, you know, so. That you are worthy, that you are valued, that you are loved. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it does. And I think if you hear famous people, Oprah is a famous person that said, because she had her tumultuous upbringing and it was, but one, I think yep. grandma too, Tyler Perry, I think a lot of people have come out and say, yes, it's that always they've, People who have had that, it's the ones that at least had one person in their life that no matter what was going on, if you have that at least one person, you can whatever. So imagine if children had multiple people pouring them or, or hearing from that of just yep. valued and heard and, and respected of what that could do um, with that. Yeah. So what, mm-hmm. um, why don't you talk about ways people can donate or get involved and then what's next okay. for our institute, institute? I know you're in Miami now. What do you, what, what's, what's next? Okay, well, you can, first of all, follow us on Facebook at the Star Institute, and it's Star with two R's. And then on Instagram, you know, I had to restart my Instagram because they disabled my original page. I have no clue why. But so now we're the Star Institute again with two R's with an underscore. So at the Star Institute underscore on Instagram, we do a TSI tip of the week every Thursday, which basically is anything concerning our youth, any new involvements in the anti-trafficking movement. But I always encourage people to, because all we do is inform, you know, bring awareness and empower. Mm -hmm. And so I say, go on, you can learn something and forward it, forward it to everyone, you know, because you have to start in-house, right? You start with your sphere of influence and having that conversation and your with your own friends, with your families, with your colleagues. And that people, that is that speaks volumes. So many people jump in my DMs now, like sharing articles with me and and doing different things and asking me if I saw this and different things now because they're on alert now because they're looking. I've had friends that are professionals in the medical field and they're like, this girl came in and I just, I knew something wasn't right. That's what it's about. about Yeah. And that's what it's about. Um, And then every year, of course, we have our 5k and that's in November and it was virtual last year and really did great. We had a goal of virtual 5k. How does that work? Listen, you do it any way you like, bike, hike, uh-huh. swim, whatever. And we we extended it. So we gave it the whole week for you to be able to do it. Of course, we still did it on um, it Saturday. Is. But when all we asked was that you upload a picture of yourself or a video and your time. And that was it. And it was really great because our goal was to get in, like to have someone from all 50 states register. And we got 30. So I felt like that was amazing. And three kinds. But it is is to show 
that together we can, right? We're not all together, but if you do your part, I do my part, we come together, it works, you know? And so they had the face mask. That's what we gave this year, Star Institute face mask for registering. And so, yeah, and so again, like I said, book us for our workshops. We're actually uh, revamping our website as we speak right now and redesign to kind of reflect because then again, COVID, we were doing like this big overhaul. So that will be up really soon. And so really my goal now, since like I said, we just moved down here to Miami is to really build up our network here to get into as many schools as possible and to really build a movement like mobilize kids. I want 12 and 17 year olds to go onto this space. We are going to be launching My Safety Starts With Me and we're gonna start on Instagram. And this is a space for kids and it's going to be using the Young Star. We uh, won an animation and so we have like an animation. We won an animation grant. But this is going to be a space for them to not only be able to get resources, to be able to share what's important to them. Um, We can talk about music. We can talk about dance. We can talk about whatever they want to talk about. But this is where we're going to get the ground. Because what I envision is having a movement, you know, just to your point, when we started the conversation, you talked about so many people being victims of sexual abuse or childhood sexual abuse. And what I am seeking to do is to normalize not being a victim, right? And so while I don't think the onus should be on a child to protect themselves from victimization, I think that they actively have to take a part in protecting themselves. And so I want to equip them, empower them, build them up. And yes, if they have experienced it let them know that hey there is a whole other side to this and I'm willing to walk with you every step of the way you know eliminating the shame if it was a young girl or a young man that maybe did make a decision that they're like wait a minute I thought this was going to be one way to say it's okay baby come here we got you yes Absolutely. So right now, um, that is our goal. Of course, we are still looking for board members. We are small, but mighty. And so we're looking for committed. I'm not really into quantity. It's all about quality. And the three that we have right now are amazing, but we're just trying to grow. You know, we're trying to grow. And really, like if I'm dreaming out loud, I want us to be in all 50 states and international. I want us to start this movement right Mm -hmm. and let our youth be at the forefront of it and yeah that's really um where I'm trying to go with this that's awesome did you say something about donations I didn't hear donations can people oh donations donations. you can donate on our website and then of course we have a cash app at star institute however the people want to give that that's the way We provide all the ways, but you can go to our website and that's at the starinstitute.org. Again, that's with two R's. And I'll, of course, put it in the show notes and any other information you want to give me. Like I said, I know this was something very important to have because we don't have it. And I'm actually kind of mad that social media, Instagram took it down because look, there's so much conspiracies with online and things and how, whatever. So let's not even go there, but it is like, really, you know, you know, they could take away all of this or they were, they were easy to, to stop this person, but they or um what was the thing that they were saying twitter was able to take off um these these QAnon videos or whatever political things but we yeah. still have children pornography online all the way and they can't get say it 
say it. And I see all type of inappropriate stuff. And let's be clear, I'm not, I don't even have a personal Instagram page. I only have the Star Institute. So there's no inappropriate content on that. What I actually think is that, um, cause it was around election time. And I really think that some troll uh, reported my page because uh, I, it was a day that I had posted about voting. And I, it was some kids, some young, some black girls who are a dance team and they had all these signs like Black Lives Matter, please vote, Black Dancers Matter. And and I said, when youth have a voice, they can change the world. And somebody was in there like Trump 2020, da 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 And I didn't even respond. I didn't say anything. And then the next time I went back into my account, it was disabled. And I haven't been able to get it back. So I just started a new page because this was right before the race was about to go. So that's why to all your listeners, if you look and see my content is looks very new because on Instagram, because it is. But if you go to our Facebook page, we'll see everything follow it on there okay because I thought the same thing too because I'm like oh yeah why don't they have because you would know but that makes a lot of sense but yeah I'll yeah. go on your Facebook page and like I said I'll link everything in the show notes so let's learn about star what have you learned the past year and what is something that you want to leave behind in 2020 and what's something you want to bring with you from 2020 into 2021 kind of a twofold okay so oh baby 2020 I have dubbed that as my year of growth and transition. Um, And I say that because in 2020, of course, COVID happened, but at the very top of the year, my grandmother passed away. She passed away on February 2nd, 2020. And I know it's been devastating. It was, and I'm, and I, you know, I have my good days and I have my bad days. And then my cousin, who I first lived with when I moved to Atlanta, because I called him, I graduated from Florida State. Because remember, I told you I was not going back home. But And the 18-year-old star said, I'm going to go to Florida State and I'm going to move to Atlanta because that's where Black people prosper. And so I majored in mass communication because I wanted to be a broadcaster in the woods. And so I called him and I was like, hey, I don't have a job, but... Um, I want to live in Atlanta. Can I move in with you? And it was, you know, him, his wife, and they have a son that's my age. And they said yes. And I was there. And so he also passed away mm-hmm. in 2020. And then um, we had to relocate to Florida, which my husband was pretty much gone all of 2020 for training. So me and the kids like moved down here, but sold our house, moved down here by ourselves and started, you know, building this life. And Devin didn't even get here until September. And so it was just a lot of, so and I was going with your little ones. Listen, and then in December, I got COVID. <laughs> what? Wait, this past, like this December? Yeah. December, 2020, I got COVID. And like I was FaceTiming the kids and, and Jordy, cause Jordy's birth, well, we call David Jordy, but his birthday is uh, December 9th. And so I was on the FaceTime in the room secluded. And so it was tough, but you know, I kind of like when I was a kid growing up, I used to think, oh God, why me? Like, why me? And now that I'm an adult is I realized it was necessary, right? I had to go through all of these things to be able 
to be to these youth what I'm supposed to be. That's my purpose. That's your purpose. That's your destiny. That's that's your journey into what it is now. Yeah, absolutely. So I, you know, a lot of people were counseling 2020 and I was like, no, because even though it was, it was tough, it was, it was really rough. Some really great things came out of 2020 for us personally and like in our entire family and just the people that I'm connected to my friends and family. And so my word for 2021 is rebirth, right? And so things have to die, right? Some things have to go. And, you know, I can honestly say that, okay, I don't want to cry, but my, I I never thought that I would be able to live my life without my grandmother. And it, and it is really hard, but she's with me, right? She's with me. Oh, yes. You know. I still talk to her. She still sends me God breezes. And I know she's proud of me, right? So I'm going to continue this work that we started because she planted those seeds in me seeds of compassion of love the fear of God um so much that she did I didn't realize as a child but now it it all makes sense and she was an entrepreneur too and I didn't even know that word growing up (laughs) but um yeah, we're going to keep, we're going to keep, we're going to keep running on. And so, yeah, that's what I learned. You just, you know, I always say it and I mean it. And I'm like, you know, every day that you wake up, it's a, it's a blessing. And, you know, it's God giving you the opportunity to get it right. You're still here. So you still got purpose. And so just be the best, you know, be the best that you can be. Yeah, I love it. So that's what I'm taking in. I love that. I think the rebirth and girl, you are a strong woman because, you know, life, life is life is life and death, right? It's rebirth. It's, it's the full circle of life. Um, and again, I've, I've lost some close people, never, you know, um, immediate, immediate family, but cousins and aunts mm-hmm. and uncles and things. So I've seen, I've seen and felt it, seen other people grieve through losing close ones. So I know the devastation and me becoming a parent now, God, how I couldn't even imagine people who are in the other shoes who have to leave behind so imagine how your grandma must have felt leave, you know what I'm saying of that yeah. other side of it of the person who has to leave of knowing their leave it's 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 such a gut-wrenching I know it's it's a part of life but you are strong and thank you so much for being so honest um with that and sharing that thank it's you just amazing I'm gonna go into my next question what is your favorite book or one that you would like to recommend oh well right now I'm don't y'all don't talk about me because COVID happened so I only have about 100 pages left but I'm reading Becoming <laughs> Michelle Obama I know I'm probably late but it is really good I mean she's amazing y'all knew that the book is amazing but I just love it because she is so authentically herself and it's like you the way it's written it's like I can see it like I see it in my mind's eye what's happening so if anyone hasn't read that book I would definitely recommend it yeah yeah I think yeah girl she is like the epitome I can't I think yes. that she's such a yeah, I really, there's like an indescribable, you know, it's mm-hmm. another good book. If you're enjoying becoming the, do you know, Elaine Welterworth, Walter, Welterworth? She was the Does first. she have a lot of hair? Yes. I follow her. Okay. Yes. He wrote a book, not more than enough, or maybe it is more than enough. I read it and I should know the title because this is, it's, you want to talk about empower. I feel like oh, Michelle Obama is a grown adult. 
you're understanding her thing. And I think it's something we can aspire to, right? That's what yeah. I took for the Michelle Obama. Like, wow, yeah. yeah, she's authentically herself. I think she does such a good job to where if you are someone who isn't a person of color, right? Mm -hmm. Because there are a lot of things I could relate to of mm -hmm. not feeling comfortable in certain spaces, of having to lower yourself in certain spaces. I understand that. Yeah. Um, but I feel other people who maybe don't have that. And when I say other people, I mean white people can understand mm -hmm. her journey and how she broke down. She's just a phenomenal but that right. elaine walterworth book that is something we can relate to right now because she's oh i'm gonna our get age and you want to talk about earmarking i earmarked Ooh. the heck out of that book that is yeah. such an empowering like yes that when you're done you're like okay i'm gonna do this that's another yeah. one you need to put on your on your okay that was okay amazing just powerful you know like i said michelle was more adult like okay yes but this you're, you're reading oh it was just awesome i'm gonna get it another. i'm gonna get it what do you do for self-care and your own mental health? Because I'm sure the work that you're doing for a girl, you're, mm -hmm. a, you're a wife, you're, you're a mom, you have this nonprofit that you're doing. What do you do to take care of yourself? So I like to work out. It's a stress reliever for me. It makes me, it makes me feel good. I actually get a lot of ideas, like creative ideas and things come to me when I'm working out. So I pretty much like to do that five times a week. Since we've moved down here to Miami, it's a, a group of my line sisters, like they ride bikes and that's actually pretty cool. I tell them I'm just starting, like I'm not at the level like they are, but we uh, sometimes do this Friday night, like happy hour bike ride. It's really cool with this cool, it's an amazing organization, Break the Cycle down here. And so it's a ride and so it's really cool. And I love a good facial right? I know some people are like a massage, but I just love a good facial and skincare by Tova has, has set me free down here. Okay. She has set me free. So those, I'm really kind of like a chill type of person. When I have some downtime, that's typically what I want to do or just hang out with Devin and the kids because they're funny and I like to hang out with them and, and be intentional about that time that we have. That's awesome. What is the best or worst either general advice you've ever received or parenting advice you've received? Oh, yes. Oh, my God. So my really good friend, Takesha, pregnant with David. And I listen, when I tell you, girl, I'm like very type A, I'm type A personally, professionally, like parenting type A. That's me. Right. Mm -hmm. And so she was like, listen, I'm going to tell you this, Devin is not going to do anything the way you do. He's not going to feed him the way you do. He's not going to bathe him the way you do. He's not going to play with him, but it's okay because he loves him. He's going to love him and he would never do anything to hurt him. And when I tell you that was the best, some of the best parenting advice I ever received because he does not. He does not do anything the way that I do. But when I tell you that he loves my babies like it's nobody's business and that he loves and protects us, like that's his full-time job. And so I just, it's hard, you know, cause like as a mom, because we are like, oh, we had to do everything. And it's sometimes it's hard to, yeah. It's, Our gut instinct, no, yes. Yeah. And sometimes it's hard to like release, but I, that was some of the best advice 
she ever gave me and I mean it has stuck with me it has stuck with me and I'm so thankful because like I said I probably it probably saved my sanity my marriage (laughs) let me tell you you, I wish someone would have told me because I am type a as well and and we can we can go into this but I'll say a little snippet of it because I've spoke I've spoken heavily about it like I'm a very strong woman and you know I, I always preface I'm like look my family I was born in the Bronx I wasn't raised there but I was born there so it's inbreded in my parents who in in, in with me you know mm-hmm. um kind of like that hard knock li- hard knock life kind of way of growing up you know my mm-hmm. father did not play grew up in Fort Lauderdale so I you know I also have that oh when you coming down here to you, you know, okay let's listen 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 I, <laughs> We get off here. I've already been thinking of things. So yes, I have that in me, you know, as far as growing up, when my son came, I was completely clu- clueless and lost. And my husband and I have been together at that point, like, by the time Jace came, like six years, seven years, yeah. so I'm thinking yeah. we got this. And no, it was the exact thing of what you said, you, you're glad your friend told you because, oh, I resented what he was doing. Um, I mean, mm-hmm. I made a good point of not trying to put him down for anything. But mm-hmm. we're on opposite ends of different things, which makes sense now because he is such a chill person and I'm not. So mm-hmm. it would make sense that our parenting would be different because he's more like, it's okay, relax. And I'm more like, oh my God, my anxiety and this. And I wish someone would have told me that because it took a long time. And look, we're three years in, my son will be four this year. And I just feel like I've worked through like yeah. the acceptance of that. So that yeah. is amazing parenting advice. And if anyone's listening and you're pregnant and you are, yeah, that's real because you Absolutely. are a bear. So you're like, only I can protect them. And it's like, no, they love them just the same. And although yeah. it's not like you, not one way is right or wrong, I guess. And yeah. my husband has come with a lot of truth. So I can't even lie. There are things of looking at on his perspective that I'm like, oh, damn, he is right. I mean, look, my gut is still 100% and I don't care what, you know, I will mat- match my gut and instinct with that any day. Right. But there's a lot of rationalization of that he's come with and practicality that I'm like, okay, yeah, he's right. Like, relax. Yeah. It's okay. You know, so that is, that is yeah. amazing. Um, do you want to share any worst advice that you've gotten that you've said, like, you're like, oh no. Um, or anything that you- You know what? I don't even know. Cause you know, I'm very like, matter of fact so I rebuke a lot of stuff that people say so if somebody ever said something crazy I just like disregard that yeah. you know I just yeah. I just then you're like yeah it didn't make sense or something yeah do you want to have any other final messages to the podcast listeners anything that you want to say before we kind of wrap this up here yeah so I just want to say that um, every one of you has a light in sh- inside of you. And if given the opportunity to shine, you will. That's what the Star Institute is all about. I know people think it's because of my name, but that really is why. And so I don't know what obstacles that you all may have faced in life, but you're still here. You're still here. So that means God still has purpose for you. And you have this opportunity today, right? For you to get it right. So be the best version of yourself today. And then just give yourself some grace and extend it to others. You know, at the end of the day, we put so much on our plates and we wear so many different hats, but it's okay. It's okay to say no. That's a complete sentence. No, you don't have an explanation. You don't need no reasoning. You don't need no case study. Just no, right? And get some rest and and do you more than like hiding in the bathroom. I can't even hide in the bathroom. They bust in there on me, you know, like it's okay to like step away and take you a walk 
by yourself, right? We can't really do much right now, but to take you a walk by yourself, to take you a drive, right? To take that opportunity to just, you know, be one with you, right? So whatever that is for you to center yourself, for me, it's my devotion. I get up every morning and I get up at five o'clock in the morning so that I can literally go in our closet and the house is still asleep and I can have my devotion and my one-on-one time with God. And that sets my day, that sets my intention. So whatever comes up, it doesn't even matter because guess what? I'm already set. So whatever whatever you do to get set, take that time and take it selfishly. I love it. Thank you so much, Star, for coming on, for sharing your truth, for sharing your journey, for sharing so much wisdom, um, not even just wisdom, but factual information and, and, and very important information that needs to be out there. And thank you for the work that you're doing. Continued blessings to the Star Institute for, you know, for love and for light and, and for putting w- the goodness that you are putting out into the world. Um, and thank you just for coming on and, and sharing your story. And thank you for having me on. Thank you for sharing your platform um, with me. And thank you for raising this awareness. That's what it's all about. So I really appreciate you. Thank you for allowing me to speak freely. And I just absolutely love you. I feel like we've known each other for a long time and we're about to get really close. Yes. Yes. (laughs) All right, mama. Thank you so much. Bye. Have a good one. Thank you. Bye-bye. You too. Thank you for listening to the Mamas Know Best. We got something to say podcast. If you enjoyed this episode, please subscribe, rate, and give a review on the platform you're listening on. Tune in next time to hear another fierce mama share her story. Continued blessings to you all for love and light.